What's up, Joe? Hey, hey, Brad. We uh, we're having a day. Hell yeah! I mean, you know, I did go into to look at the cores. We'll talk a little bit about that later. But you know, everything was you know looks like it's tailing off. I mean, I did see someone alleging some housing cost increases still in play, or it might not have the uh, went down as much as everybody expected. But the key thing also was services prices. So what somebody pointed out was if you look at like the services in the ISM, uh, I guess, group that forecasts that kind of thing, you yeah. see it's already started, but it just hasn't gotten into the CPI yet. So they're expecting to see good news on services costs in the next print. But everything there looked good. I mean, it kind of supports the whole thesis that um, somebody else was saying that 70% of the CPI increases are somehow tied to corporate profits. So there's a real big, I mean, this is a lot of price gouging. Okay. I think we all know that. Right. Um, whether it's trying to play catch up from pandemic, which, you know, I understand, or if it's just, you know, mercenaryism, which, you know, I understand that too, but that is also starting to reduce. So, nice. you know, demand slackening, um, supply increasing, you know, everything's looking good from the U.S. perspective for that soft landing in my mind. I mean, you know, the big thing here, Brad, as you and I talked about earlier, is that um, it then makes the Fed on the next go around go, OK, the medicine's working. You know, now we got to start thinking. Now we got to start watching a little bit closer to watch the wind and see which way it's going rather than just de facto dropping a 75 BPS rate hike on the table. Right. Um, now yeah. it kind of gets more of, OK, so maybe we want to slow this down a little bit. We don't want to signal to anybody that now we're going to start pivoting or anything. So then maybe that's a 50 or a 25 or maybe it's a pause. I don't know. I think it I think it just shows that there's room to get the rates up to the 5 percent range that everybody's forecasting without crushing the U.S. economy. Right. And to me, that's that's what we got to get, because then I hope you know, so. once. Once the rest starts slowing down, like the exports, I mean, I, did, I heard DXY was down today. I don't know what it's at, but, you know, dollar strength, which would help U.S. exports, because eventually if DXY is super strong, our exports start tailing off. And that's when those recessions really start coming in. So I think we kind of have if we get up to five percent, then we have the ability to cut at that point. So I, I thought everything was great news today. That's awesome. Yeah, it was a nice, uh, nice uh, pump. That was uh, a pretty extraordinary little run in the morning there. Well, what would be interesting now, you see, yeah, BTC, everybody made the big run once that print happened. But, um, you know, if all of a sudden BTC shoots up to 25,000 again, let's say, because, you know, we haven't been talking about like MicroStrategy and Tesla and, you know, their BTC holdings now, because we know I think this is underwater for MicroStrategy at this point. Yeah, I saw a thread yesterday saying that, uh, he could be close on some liquidations on some of his debt. Mm. So maybe a nice recovery back up into the twenties. I mean, I I'm, was more thinking about FTX, but you know, if all of a sudden, you know, like today, I pretty much see a 10 in the alts. I saw pretty much a 10, 12% hike across the board, other than some of the real big DeFi stuff. Um, but if that goes back, I wonder what that does to like the FTX solvency. Yeah. Um, but you know, I mean, again, with all those F, PT tokens that I guess Alameda was holding. Um, and I mean, what is, is that still down in the like dollar range or something? That token? I haven't looked at all. Today, I, so. I have, let me look. I haven't looked. I haven't looked. I mean, maybe they're wrecked beyond 
repair. But if they were holding, beat, you know, the, the big ones and they somehow recover, you know, maybe 332. that's... 332. Sheesh. 382. Sorry, 382. Yeah, with Binance out of that deal now, I, you know, and I saw some... Mainstream media, TradeFi stuff, is talking about this deal all over the place. Yeah. That who lost money, SoftBank, you know, just go down the list of blue chip VCs. Well, yeah. But, did you see uh, SBF's big mea culpa apology today? I saw you, maybe you referenced it in a tweet. Yeah. Um, I saw little nuggets of it. I, I didn't really hear the whole thing, but well, let's, let's take a look. Yeah. But what I was going to say, after this, I'll remind me. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I was just going to say that, like, I saw that the CEO of Jeffrey's group said, you know, he had asked SBF for a dinner meeting and SBF blew him off. So a lot of big banking type groups have been trying to reach out to him for the last six months. Huh. And he's been supposedly blowing them off. Um, no, I well, get it. He probably he doesn't, doesn't want to entangle him in them. Yeah. Yeah. He's got, yeah. he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't want these guys in his books. Yeah. Well, at that point he certainly didn't. You're right. Uh -uh. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but they're all ready to, you know, people are ready to come in and do deals. So to me, I think this might be a blessing in disguise for FTX because again, if BlackRock or somebody like that comes in and pops this for, you know, I mean, minimal stuff on the dollar, guarantee the deposits, well, restructure the, all the VC money. It could be a pretty cool play. The latest numbers are like what eight billion in the hole. But then I, I he's a little fishy in this thread because it, it's hard to know exactly what he means about the money behind it. Um, but I will say that let me say this before we get into it. Yeah. Full blown apology, full blown admission of fucking up. His personal attorneys are probably freaking the fuck out right now. Because I don't think this went through legal scrutiny. <laughs> but no, I fucked but, up is not something you usually say. <laughs> if you're trying to like get into the something gray area. <laughs> you have a fucking attorney that says, Oh yeah, you can keep that in there. That's good. Yeah, no, not so much. Yeah, I fucked um, up, took everybody's money, took customer deposits and leveraged it in other deals, you know, class, which is the big bad thing here. Um, you know, you just don't say that shit. Never. So he said, I'm sorry. That's the biggest thing I fucked up and should have done better. I also should have been communicating more recently. Transparently, my hands were tied during the duration of the possible Binance deal. So what? 24 okay. hours? <laughs> what the fuck? I wasn't particularly allowed to say much publicly, but of course it's on me that we ended up there in the first place. So here's an update on th where things are. This is all about FTX International, the non-US exchange. FTX users are fine. FTX US users are fine. Treat all of these numbers as rough. There are there are approximations here. FTX International currently has a total market value of assets slash collateral higher than client deposits, but that moves with prices. But that's different from liquidity for delivery. As you can tell from the state of withdrawals, the liquidity varies widely from very to very little. So, but he's saying that the company has total market value of assets slash collateral higher than closet client deposits. So he's claiming that they have assets that are worth more, but he's not addressing what those assets specifically are. Um, like if that's all FTT, who gives a fuck? But because um, nobody's buying uh, FTT at the moment. So, um, well, and know. also how much of, you know, he, he says the ass total asset number is higher than customer deposits. But, you know, remember customer deposits, you know, 
how are they booking the customer deposits, I guess? Is that on the asset side of the ledger or is it, you know, and then simultaneously on the, you know, the credit side of the ledger, you know, the payable side? Yeah. Is is that, you know, however much, let's say there was $6 billion in there of customer deposits. Is that part of the asset calculation he's putting out? You know, no. so... So that means, you know, um, I mean, he's got enough to pay all the customers back. Yes. But, you know, you kind of want to know where then where is those assets? Where are they pledged? You know, they're not just sitting in a cold wallet doing nothing. Well, yeah, because if so, he could just print in a wallet address and let everybody know. Right. But yeah. um, So he says the full story here is one I'm still fleshing out every detail of, which is a little disconcerting. Um, but as a ver- at a very high level, I fucked up twice. The first time, a poor internal labeling of bank-related accounts meant that I was substantially off on my sense of user's margin. I thought it was way lower. So that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and they said, my sense before, leverage 0x, USD liquidity ready to deliver 24x average daily withdrawals. But the actual was leverage 1.7x, liquidity 0.8x Sunday's withdrawals. Because of course, when it rains, it pours, we saw roughly 5 billion of withdrawals on Sunday, the largest by a huge margin. He said, so I was off twice, which tells me a lot of things, but both specifically and generally that I was shit at. And a third time, I'm not communicating, not communicating enough. I should have said more. I'm sorry. I was slammed with things to do and didn't give updates to you all. Now, the interesting thing is, I, I don't know if this was just mocked up or not, but there were several tweets yesterday. He's a big League of Legends player, and there were several tweets yesterday of his profile on League of Legends, him having played a game of League of Legends last night. <laughs> so everybody's not worrying too much. Yeah, um, I don't. You know, it's it's. I just am amazed. I mean, you know. That he's sitting there. I mean, he's mea culping all these bad decisions, but it's like he's running this whole friggin' thing out of a laptop somewhere, you know, with nobody else. And that just is friggin' absurd to me. Um, he shouldn't be the one in there having to calculate all these ratios. He should have, there should be like 40 MBAs in there doing this shit. For it him. should be on a fucking dashboard live and yeah. updated daily. I mean, look at this. This is. It's a train wreck, dude. It's like yeah, doing it in exactly. Excel on a laptop. And he says, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, and if this is a shit show there, can you imagine the shit show over at Alameda right now? Oh, God. Yeah. He says, anyway, right now, my number one priority by far is doing right by users, and I'm going to do everything I can to do that, take responsibility and do what I can. So right now, we're spending the week doing everything we can to raise liquidity. I can't make any promises about that, but I'm going to try and give anything I have to it that will make it work. There are a number of players who we're in talks with, LOIs, term sheets, et cetera. We'll see how that ends up. Yeah. Every penny of that and of the existing collateral will go straight to users unless or until we've done right by them. After that, investors old and new and employees who have fought for what's right for their career and who weren't responsible for any of the fuck-ups. Because at the end of the day, I was CEO, which means that I was responsible for making sure that things went well. I ultimately should have been on top of everything. I clearly failed in that. I'm sorry. So what does this mean going forward? I'm not sure. That depends on what happens over the next week. But here's some things I know. First, one way or another, Alameda Research is winding down trading. They aren't doing any of the weird things that I see on Twitter and nothing large at all. And one way or another, soon, they won't be trading on FTX anymore. Second, in any scenario in which FTX continues operating, 
Its first priority will be radical transparency. Transparency it probably always should have been giving. Giving as close to on-chain transparency as it can so that people know exactly what is happening on it. All the stakeholders would have a hard look at FTX governance. I will not be around if I'm not wanted. All of the stakeholders, investors, regulators, users would have a large part to play in how it would be run, solely trust. But all of that isn't what matters right now. What matters right now is trying to do right by customers. That's it. A few other assorted comments. This was about FTX International. FTX US, the US-based exchange that accepts Americans was not financially impacted by this shit show. It's 100% liquid. Every user could fully withdraw updates on its future coming. At some point, I might have more to say about a particular sparring partner, so to speak, but you know, glass houses. So for now, all I'll say is, well played, you won. So I'm assuming he's talking about CZ. Not advice of any kind of any way. I was not very careful with my words here and do not mean any of them in a technical or legal sense. I may well have not described things right, though I'm trying to be transparent. I'm not a good dev and probably misdescribed something. And finally, I sincerely apologize. We'll keep sharing updates as we have them. So I, I appreciate his willingness to put his ass on the line and, and say it's his fault and agree that he screwed up and he needs to do what's best for users. I just don't know if there's any reality to being able to actually do what's right by users. Sean says the FTX leverage ratio was live on CQ. Bybit has the same leverage ratio prior to the FTX bank run. Maybe CZ's next play. <laughs> Sean hates CZ. Yeah. Oh, by the way, earlier on, uh, I don't think I said this. Uh, Sean wrote, MicroStrategy debt is serviced and can be for years. No liquidity risks. Good. Liquidation risks, I should say. Uh, so that was that was interesting. Glad to see it. Glad to see him communicating. Um, if, in fact, the financial situation is what he says it is, um, that'll probably put him in a better position for people to buy it, right? Or invest, whichever it is. Um, and so that seems promising. Um, but where is FTX international HQ'd? Bahamas, I believe. Okay. Where he is. Um, I think that's where he is, Bahamas. Oh, so he's only right there. Oh, okay. He's like 50 miles away. Cool. Yeah, just a um, plane fight, plane fight for them to pick him up. <laughs> a rendition team or something, you mean? Um, no, but, I think. If look, FTX, look. if if the U.S. operation is above board, yeah, there you know there's not supposed to be any U.S. customers on FTX International, and they do block it. So I don't know. Well, what I find, you know, look, this is might be a little bit of a blessing in disguise here, in the sense I, I was sort of pondering this whole thing yesterday or last night, and you know, I started thinking that you know the ones that are going to be securities are the ones that sort of function like central exchanges and handling american customers i mean those i mean there should be certain ones that graduate from those platforms like bitcoin or eth or whatever to be listed on nasdaq and exchanges like that where the full regulations in place um i know that they're not securities okay that's the uh, i mean you know btc and eth um but that then that's usually that could be that could be problematic. But it just seems to make sense that, you know, there's already a fully regulated financial thing in place for the centralized crypto stuff. And it's the U.S. So you mean exchanges become brokers like we have now, like online brokers buying and selling it um, through Nasdaq, if you want to do it in the U.S., something like that. Yeah, just something because the infrastructure is already there. Um, 
you know, but we keep going. But all the pure DeFi decentralized stuff, you know, because again, you've really hammered this home well the last couple of days is that, you know, this is again, FTX is a failure of centralization. You know, I heard like the city guys and I heard, uh, you know, um, city financial services, like they're, you know, one of their top dog CXOs talking about that. And I heard a couple of private equity guys on Bloomberg today talking about that. You know, they're actually talking about, I mean, they don't really know exactly what they're saying, but they're talking about that these were, were kind of hybrid centralized and they're talking about that, that, you know, DeFi nice. through DeFi is decentralized. So they're kind of starting to get there. So That's I think good to hear. Take all the centralized stuff, you know, the Coinbase type things, you know, and, you know, just accept the fact that there's going to be ones that are just open, fully regulated and predominantly Americans that don't really get it. Um, don't get the time, don't have the time to stay on top of the tech innovation side of DeFi. You know, they just, you know, they're the kind of people that do ETFs and index funds. Yeah. You know, they're not even picking equities other than maybe, you know, type GE type stuff, you know, big tech type stuff that they hold forever. Yep. So to me, I think that that could be reason. And then the other side, then we have, and you could even have this in the U S too, you know, these walled off decentralized platforms, you know, not sexes, but true DeFi stuff that then maybe has an ability to pipe into those regulated areas. Um, and then, you know, you kind of have a wall because what they're afraid of is this, you know, contagion going into trade five. So you've got a, like a cutout there or anything comes out of the sandbox too crazy where it can be stopped. And then at the same time, overseas, London, Hong Kong, Singapore, places like that, you have all the decentralized stuff running, right. the pure stuff running. I mean, it just seems like it's, it's a solution like that because it's not going to ever be Trade Fi and all the centralized folks control DeFi. It's just not because it right. doesn't work that way. Right, right. And it's never going to be all the DeFi cats take over Trade Fi. It's not going to be that either. So it's got to be something because we know all the benefits and we know where the benefits mostly have the most value. You know, it's in the emerging markets, um, you know, of DeFi. So right. it seems to me like there's a hybrid solution here that doesn't you know, kill the space or kill the innovation, but it reduces the amount of hucksters and hustlers in there. Yeah, I, I definitely think there could be some kind of hybrid approach. Um, even Bloomberg wrote uh, a piece, posted a piece uh, yesterday about um, the fact that the FTX unraveling could actually help DeFi, right? And give it room mm -hmm. to grow because it's really cool that you're telling me about these other folks in the space and the TradFi space that are talking about the, the differences. If they're actually having that conversation, it's what you and I were talking about yesterday. It's like, mm -hmm. look, this is an opportunity for us to make the messaging work, right? And that we can actually... Uh, talk about the fact that transparency in finance is critical and that's what DeFi provides. So I think that's fantastic. What did Sean say? The error here was simply that FTX played the use of staked collateral to raise. This is the DeFi model. Played the use of staked collateral to raise. Oh, oh so he took customer deposits and then he went off to earn yield at his hedge fund, I guess. I heard something about that this morning with those deposits or well i think the other part of it <clears throat> was the collateral was ftt the the token that he printed yeah right that's but so that's yes so the, in the u.s um i don't know if this was necessarily it wasn't post made off but but it was i think it was before that but 
or it might have been right. It might have been because of that. I can't really remember. But, um, you know, you're not supposed to take customer funds to pay expenses and things like that. There's supposed to be a firm wall right. between that and everything else. Of course. When you cross that wall, that's when you get in trouble. So the fact that FTX crossed that line um, is is pretty significant. Um, yep. Again, jurisdictionally, regulatorily, all of that's going to be a big mess. But, you know, you really aren't supposed to do that. But, you know, to Sean's point, you know, that's what all the DeFi protocols do. You know, they take the staked funds, they pay yield, and they reinvest those somewhere else to get more yield. Um, so I think in that situation, I don't, you know, that's DeFi. If it's truly decentralized, I think it's a different thing than like the, you know, Madoff example of, you know, doing that or the, I don't want to link, I don't want to link Sam with Madoff because that's unfair. But I just want to say that, you know, you have to always be careful with those customer funds and that's what the government will nail you on. Yeah. So, 100. so um, Sequoia Capital was a big investor and they've written mm -hmm. off, they announced to their partners that uh, they are writing off as a total loss uh, their investment in FTX. But on their um, website, somebody found this piece that was written in, when was it? Oh, God. Uh, I think it was May. I can't find the original date. Um, uh, basically this like praise to Lord Sam Bankman Freed, <laughs> you know, peace, but it was, I started reading through it because some of the quotes I was seeing on Twitter and it's freaking fascinating. So, you know, uh, people talked a lot about how he was saying he was going to give away all his money. Well, it's actually part of a, of a key system that's called effective altruism. Um, by this guy here, Will McCaskill. And <clears throat> Sam became friends with him. Uh, I don't know if it was in college or right after college when he was trading. And um, the idea behind this is, is that your goal is to get as filthy rich as possible to be giving away your money. And so Sam was always giving away 50% of everything he made personally all this time, not just at FTX in his previous job and everything else he did. 5050? 50% of everything he made. Um, and he was such a brilliant trader at the first trading firm he worked for that, that it was a lot of money. I, I mean, it was a ton, a shit ton of money, but well, this, according to this piece that obviously Sequoia had an interest in promoting him since they invested in it. But um, what's fascinating is the entire core executive team is also part of this. And so what a lot of people are talking about now is that, this this uh, this altruism movement that they're part of with this guy McCaskill and he formed two nonprofits around it and that's where a lot of the money would go is that one of the measures of this is and one of the reasons that that Sam did what he did to start FTX is he wanted something um, that was um, that could get him as rich as possible but it had to be as high risk as possible. So there's like a quote in this article and I'm mad at myself for not uh, keeping it up where I had it. Cause I had it on the quote before I scrolled back up, but the, the quote in there was basically that he wanted to always be that at the flick of a switch, he could lose everything, right? That's how cutting edge on this edge of his seat. He wanted to always be, which is 
uh, pretty ironic considering the situation. Anyway, there's a fascinating friggin' insights into him and how he motivated it. But every member of the team, the core team at Alameda and at FTX at the senior level were members of this. Can so you tweet were, that out for me, buddy? Yeah, yeah I, I tweeted a quick quote, but I'll, I'll also tweet out the, the article itself, the, the link to the main article. Um, so all of them were running this thing with this belief that they were doing good. And so they should drive it up. And so all of the high risk shit they were doing, they were potentially just justifying in their heads as this altruism. And so they had to mass up as much as possible and take as much risk as possible in order to be able to help and do more for the world. Right. So they felt like they were like this, um, you know, superheroes trying to, uh, um, to save the world. So Niblet says effective altruism movement isn't quite as altruist as they brand the movement. So there are a few people talking about the fact that uh, this guy McCaskill may be pocketing uh, a lot of this and claiming that it's a cult and claiming yeah. all other stuff. I have no clue. I don't know anything about it. I've not done any real research, but um, I just found it fa fascinating. Niblet says it's yeah, a movement yeah. filled with weird bedfellows. Yeah, it sounds like I had a buddy in D.C. who got sucked into one of these where all of a sudden they're like in this group and they all do like these, uh, you know, all advise each other. And then whoever the head of the group is, I guess that makes them feel better is taking a 10 percent cut of everything. Yeah. Um, so, you know, again, I want to touch on a sensitive topic here, but it's that. I mean, I'm not. People, and I hope I'm right here. I'm guessing he's like a little bit on the spectrum, right, Sam? Oh, I think you're probably fine with saying that. Okay, I just don't want to like sound like I'm insulting anybody. But you know, nah, I think you're good. I I've, I've worked for people like that, you know, genius types. And the problem is that you guys believe everybody. You know, you have such good hearts. I mean, just wanting to go risk it all to save the world and give half your shit to the world is really really cool. But you can't do that with customer money and you can't put the risk on customer money and you need more people around that you can trust. And so I get I think these guys get advisors around them early. And then there's this core group that's all yes people reinforcing and spinning up somebody like Sam to go out and take all the risk on his head. And then if everything falls apart, it's going to be his fault. But where are all these friggin advisors? Yeah. You know, why isn't anybody going after those guys? Yeah. And so I just think you have to be to anybody out there. And, you know, software developers, a lot of introverted types out there that don't always want to deal with people. But you just have to remember that you need those checks and balances around you. You need a variety of advisors. And then you also need to have advisors that are like in stealth mode that you get second opinions from that aren't on your core team so that they can tell you, no, this is bullshit. You shouldn't be doing this when the other five people are telling you yes. And you want people like that, that those five people don't even know are there. Yeah, so, you know, absolutely. especially when you're getting to this level of billions of dollars, yeah. um, you know, people will do really, really nasty things for that. So you guys, you know, hats off to you. But, you know, you're Sean is so mad at CZ, dude. <laughs> 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 Sean is so mad. Um, yeah. I, I shouldn't laugh because uh, there's some financial, personal financial impact there. So my apologies, Sean. I shouldn't laugh. Uh, I, I just, I, I understand your um, anger and I get it. And I, I'm not trying to make light of the situation. My apologies. So, but also, but look, you could see it in Sam's behavior. 
So he's coming out, mea culpa, and he's saying stuff, as you pointed out, that you really shouldn't say. And then you can't just put a disclaimer at the end of the email saying that. Yeah. I, don't <laughs> I don't really I mean, mean any of this, but yeah, if I could get in trouble, I don't really mean it. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, again, the language is, I'm really sorry things didn't work out the way we had all planned. Right. I'm going to do my best to fix this. Yep. I'm here. You know where I am. I'm not going anywhere. You know, let's do a deal, get everybody paid back and get this under a big house where it's more protected. That's yep. it. Yep. You don't say I fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> don't, I'm sorry. Even though we all know you did. <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. But you don't say it and nobody else wants you to say it. So be careful, man, at this point. But so, his heart's in the right place. Yeah. Uh, Niblet says it's like United Way circa 1999, which I believe had some issues. Euphoric says I'm a genius on the spectrum and I'm not at all offended. You are right, Joe. And I don't ever deal with other people's money. Well, that makes cool. sense. Very cool. You're validated, Joe. Thank you. Uh, Sean says, he, he, dude, I have no anger at all on this. I am shocked that people don't understand the reality of what CZ has done. I, I think we understand the reality. I think well, we've had this discussion. I think it's business. Um, Moon Mission, welcome aboard, sir, uh, with the Phantom logo. Uh, yeah, awesome. I'm going to address this in a second because I've got some stories a little bit about this, but he's bringing up the question of the status of Solana. He said, I heard the Solana has postponed executing the unstaking millions of Sol. However, the action button has been pushed and approved to unlock the Sol, right? No idea specifically on that. How can they reverse the action? Obviously, Solana is fully centralized and fully controlled by humans. The code doesn't matter to them. Um, I... I would say that, yes, there's a lot of centralization still going on there. But before we get to the, some other impacts um, in the Solana ecosystem that I quickly saw some tweets about beforehand and I'm going to run through, um, this I want to get right back to the Sequoia piece real quickly because this is such a hysterical um, quote picture of oh. venture capitalists. It's because this is and, – and that they posted this in their blog is hilarious to me, just freaking hilarious so they're having their pitch meeting with him um sam's on a zoom call right they're doing this via zoom and they're having their pitch meeting for he's pitching them to invest and um so one of the partners at the end says so everything you're building is great but what is your long-term vision for ftf that's when sbf told sequoia the so-called super app i want ftx to be a place where you can do anything you want with your next dollar you can buy bitcoin you can send money in whatever currency to any friend any in the world you can buy a banana you can do anything you want with your money from inside ftx suddenly the chat window on sequoia's side of the zoom lights up with partners freaking out i love this founder i'm a 10 out of 10 yes exclaimed a third <laughs> whilst what Sequoia was reacting to was the scale of SBS vision. Yeah. It wasn't a story about how we might use fintech in the future or crypto or a new kind of bank. It was a vision about the future of money itself with a total addressable market of every person on the entire planet. And then it's somebody was quoted or I was quoted. I sit 10 feet from him and I walked over thinking, Oh shit, that was really good. Remembers. Or, and it turns out that the fucker was playing league of legends through the entire meeting. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, I could see it. It's like, oh, yeah, man, we're going to be, I want the app on everybody's phone. I want it in their headset. I want it everywhere. And we're going to take over the entire fucking world. And we're going to, oh, hold on a second. Yeah. Oh, I love this guy. You know, I mean, it's like, it's such bullshit because these guys have so much money. They only want people that want to pitch a big vision. They don't yeah. care about tactical stuff. Yeah. Does, does this guy have the balls to, or gal, have the guts to go for it all? I know, but what a stupid ass 
big vision. I want, look, I, you know how many fucking crypto founders have pitched, I want to be the center of the world for payments? I yeah. mean, give me a fucking break. I know, I it's mean, lame. Is it that fucking easy? Because I'm ready, guys. Let's get a meeting. You're too Jesus old, man. Christ. You're too old. I'm going to own this gonna guy now. Bloomberg. Give me a fucking break. I mean, wow. Just wow. And that they published the fact that he was sitting there playing League of Legends. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I guess that's a brand of GameFi, right? Yeah. Goes take down big cap VCs while playing Game of Legends. We were incredibly impressed. It was one of those your hair is blown back type of meetings. Yeah, a bunch of guys that don't know, didn't know the space. You know, it's it's always about scale to to the VCs. And, you know, I mean, come on. You know what the Uber meetings were like. You know what the Airbnb meetings were like. I mean, the first Airbnb was like apartments with blow up like floaty mattresses for people to come to San Francisco for Fashion Week. Yeah, that was how it started. Yeah, and then it goes to you know, oh, every house in the world. You know, it's like we're going to eliminate hotels. You know, and then we're going to do experiences. So then we're going to you know now they're probably saying and we're going to put that in the metaverse. <laughs> Shit, you know, it's like. And Uber was like, yeah, fuck, we got all these independent contracts we don't have to pay benefits to. And in the end, we're going to trade them out for robots and autonomous cars in 25 years. You know, it's like those are the pitches. And so basically you get owned yeah. at that point by the yeah. VC. So Sam's owned by these guys. Right. And forever. Well, they, right, that round was a billion dollars. And then mm-hmm. he did another meme round for $429 million, And Sequoia was the lead on those. Did and he it's like, close? Did he? Was, I can't remember. Was he the one who bought Voyager? Who bought Voyager in that last? No, he was trying to, but I don't think he got it. I can't remember. No idea. Somebody bought assets. I don't know if they bought the operation or not. Okay. So, Sean says I'll take a bet that Sam takes down CZ in the next twelve months. I I don't know if Sam's going to have any way to do anything in the next twelve months, but. You know, it'd be fun to watch. But look, it'd be interesting if he pulled together a consortium of like, you know, BlackRock, Blackstone, Goldman, let's say. Uh, We might as well throw in JP Morgan as well or Morgan Stanley and just built a friggin' hundred billion dollar juggernaut. Yeah. And, you know, then went after CZ. I mean, I, I have a feeling that, you know, when CZ was coming and talking about doing this deal, I have a feeling all the U.S. regulators were like, mm, yeah, we're finally going to be able to get our hands on that little motherfucker. <laughs> like, and so I would not doubt if there's going to be, you know, um, you know, they're going to try to anoint something, you know, as the true player. Um, but myself, I'm just joking. I'm just speculating. I don't know anything. But, you know, to me, I think Binance can be that, you know, if they could get the Binance smart chain decentralized piece really working. Um, it could be that like decentralized play that I'm talking about that's outside of U.S. jurisdiction um, that somehow bumps up against the regulatory wall. Yeah, um, in ways. So I'm not. I don't. I'm not saying Shizzy, that that's going to happen. I'm more just joking with Sean. Shizzy says I'll say a bet that Sam is in jail in the next twelve months. <laughs> Sean says he knows the place CZ has buried the bodies. Well, we'll see Ooh, how much he that's knows. True. Oh, no. Uh, okay. So impacts in the Solana ecosystem. Um, so uh, Deepak from Chain, uh, which is, oh, I looked at it yesterday. I wasn't very familiar with it, but it's something in the um, uh, Solana ecosystem. Sorry, guys. I'm, I'm not very familiar. Anyway, um, he did a thread 
yesterday talking about the fact that Alameda was doing market making for them and they fired them because they saw some questionable things happening mm-hmm. um, about, I don't know, a few months ago, May, April, whatever. But uh, they continued to do OTC deals with them. But unfortunately, a big chunk of their treasury, let me try to find it. Uh, a big chunk of their treasury is stuck in FTX. So, you know, there's one impact. A lot of people, a lot of treasuries trusted storing there. And so that's probably a little scary for them. Those that were in stable coins maybe have a better shot. But um, anyway, that was one impact. But the other impact uh, that was interesting to me was this. And I, 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 I haven't uh, fact-checked any of this, right? But... Um, Soylent? What's that? Are they now making parodies of Solana, like with toilet? No, Solana is is oh. uh, um, I, I believe is the way the way they refer to the wrap tokens on Soland, which is the oh. lending platform, the big lending platform. Um, and so there's this problem with SoBTC, um, which guess who printed SoBTC? Essentially wrapped Bitcoin and took all the Bitcoin. Uh, let me guess. Um, 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 FTX, Alameda. Well, these tokens are issued by FTX or Alameda. No one really knows for <laughs> sure. Okay. So they were, and they, they were laughing, launched but... very early in the Solana DeFi cycle to help generate liquidity in the space. And so they were supposed to be backed one-to-one by BTC or ETH. Uh, but unlike WBTC, there was no formal process and no one knows if FTX still has the underlying assets. This is very problematic because practically all the major DeFi platforms have so BTC assets as collateral since it has long been accepted as the de facto BTC in the Solana space. If so BC turns out, BTC turns out to have no value, then it could worsen the contagion along more dimensions. Um, it's one fourth thing for prices to fall and have liquidations called, which is normal in DeFi. It's another thing to have the underlying assets be completely invalid, which is really not supposed to happen. Um, so here's the question I have. How the fuck does this thing operate as this primary system on Solana for lending and collateral? But this entire time, there's never been a wallet address supplied to show the fucking BTC and ETH backing these tokens. Like, how how does that keep happening? Like, is it just because we don't want to question Sam? So we just continue because he invested so much in this that we just let this keep going? I mean, it's just insanity to me. I, I I mean, you know, I know there are other examples of this in the DeFi world, but th- this is nuts. The good news is I think all of these instances are going to help clean up other parts of the space. But, you know, this is the kind of shit that could take down all of Solana, right? I mean, it's, you know, it's just not a it's it's a really bad thing. You better get down and check out that store in Winwood soon, man. There you go. Right. Before they uh, before it becomes a turn into store. a breakfast place soon. <laughs> Looks like Solana's recovered a bit, uh, a little bit today. Everything, you know, most of the stuff that I tr- that I like is up like 10, 12%. I mean, Geist is back up 15% today. Yeah. Um, um, so, and Phantom was looking like a 10% recovery. So, you know, to me, I feel like it bounced. Um, I haven't looked in an hour though, so who knows? So, lending platform Solan Protocol is struggling to liquidate a large account that went underwater as Sol token tanked 40% to less than $15 in the last 24 hours. Uh, so more problems spreading throughout the Solana ecosystem because of, uh, his position. And then there's the, you know, we were talking briefly about the, uh, 
the regulatory picture and uh, Tom Ammers, man, this guy does not fuck around. He's not other issues. He's not my favorite Senator, but on crypto, this dude is one of my favorites, right? Cause he just doesn't fuck around. Interesting at Gary Gensler runs to the media. Cause it was a, he was retweeting a Gary Gensler tweet saying he's mm-hmm. going to be on Squawk CNBC this morning. Can't wait. Um, looking for a job. Looking I bet for a he job. has half his IT department doing sentiment analysis on him on Twitter. Uh, at Gary <laughs> Gensler runs to the media while reports while reports to my office allege he was helping SBF and FTX work on legal loopholes to obtain a regulatory monopoly. We're looking into this. For him to even like tweet this shit must mean he trusts the sources of data he has coming into his Senate office because um, otherwise this would just be a total firestorm of shit that would hit Amherst. But um, this, if, if this shit starts hitting Mr. Gensler won't even have to worry about whether he's going to get nominated for treasury. He's not going to be sitting at the sec anymore. I mean, this will be a clusterfuck. Yeah. I find it interesting though. What we don't know about congressman, I think was a Senator or Congressman. congressman? By the way, thanks to at cad hodel for pointing this out. One of our yeah. Members. Um, you know, we don't know perhaps Coinbase is a lot, you know, as a firm is supporting him as a, you know, gives money to his campaign funds or his PACs or somebody else or a bunch of trade five people. Um, because the fact that he says that Gigi was going out trying to get loopholes for FTX to become the dominant player in the U.S. market sounds like something that Coinbase would say. And so I think I'd be interested to know who's giving him money to yeah. because of all these guys, you know. It's like, you know, well, here's the thing. If you're a competitor, right. And you don't yeah. like Gary Gensler, this is a great opportunity. If you can prove he was doing this shit, please dude, share the docs. Let's yeah. Go. I would like to see those docs, but I don't, I think he would, you know, you can't go against an existing U S probably in a favorable way like that against a U.S. public company as the head of the sec. So that's, if that's true, you know, he's done basically. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because he wasn't helping a U.S. company at all. He was helping no, an offshore company. He was, exactly. Unless and that it was would be, just FTX U.S., but either way. Yeah, but you can't take sides. You're not no. supposed to take sides in, no. in that role. So, um, you know, but, if that is true, he is going to have issues. You know, Sam was passing out the money to, to Hell yeah. So Well, you, you know who was at all those meetings? Um, you know, that there's that one person on LinkedIn that I get the legislative stuff from. And, um, you know, she was like Toomey's, I think, aide in the past on the finance committee or something. She tracks all the legislation. And, um, you know, there was some guy out of Jersey, one of the congressmen was holding these like, you know, get togethers, you know, in unannounced get togethers. And Sam was at all of those. Wow. So he was in there directly face to face with these guys at, you know, meetings to talk about how to advance crypto. Well, and and it's obvious from the legislative perspective of what he was pushing, that he was pushing it completely for positioning FTX as the primary player. Yeah. So, look, if you get, you know, I remember distinctly when we were running the venture fund back in the day that, you know, we would go to all these different congressional um, uh, meetings, breakfast meetings, whatever. And, you know, they always expect, you know, you write a check for a thousand or two to go, you know, within yeah. the limits of whatever the rules are. Right. And and you go and they do help you out. They want to know what do you want? And it's like and they prefer to help companies from their home states, but they will, you know, obviously help anybody. Um, so, you know, they do 
spin stuff up for you. I mean, that's just the way it works. Right. Um, but at the same time, there's another 400 and what, 30 something people doing the same thing. Of course. Working for other companies. So exactly. it's not like it's easy. You know, you're just basically trying to get everybody around exposed to issues and, and coalition around it. So if Sam's in there giving tons of money to these different groups, and I think some are still unlimited, you know, dark money stuff you can do still um, to influence. Um, he, you know, he was probably helping us out. But at the same time, you know, he was pitching more of a centralized regulatory thing. Yep. Obviously. So who knows? And we'll so this guy happens. pointed out um, there was a tweet earlier that uh, the SEC had been investigating FTX at U.S. for possible securities law violations for months. And then. This guy tweets, hell of a job, SEC. You found nothing over two months, but in 24 hours, half of Twitter figured out all the problems, um, which is pretty funny. Shizzy said, I just don't understand keeping money on an exchange. Yeah. Exchanges should be treated like public toilets. Do your business, then get out. <laughs> I agree. 100%, man. Niblets asked, so does Circle file a lawsuit against the SEC if they put their thumb on the scales? Yeah, possibly. I mean, this could be this could be a real big, if, if what Emmers is alleging, and we have no proof yet, this is just what hmm. he's alleging. Right. If what he's alleging is true, then this could end up in a big old clusterfuck. And I guarantee you, one of the casualties is going to be Gary Gensler. Um, and look, it here's what makes this makes logical sense. Right. What do you do if you're Gary Gensler? Right. You want this centralized. You want it controlled by the SEC. You want to control your power. You want to be the guy. You want to go on to be Treasury Secretary. That's your big dream. So you show yourself as being good and setting it up and stabilizing it. And then what are you going to do when you get out of Treasury? Right? You're going back to TradFi World where you worked. You're going back to teaching. Or are you going back to work for FTX? Because <laughs> you've put them in a position to be the one. Right? So, so the look the the motivations the incentives are aligned whether it's true or not we'll we'll find out so yeah uh, i did hear there's room there's some openings in the mail room gg yeah there you go uh sean said the gg stuff is why cz nuked ftx in the markets probably for years the problem will always be cz and iran yeah i was curious about that hope he is holding a few passports i, I don't uh, yeah what's the iran angle yeah, I don't know what that means. Sean. Uh, and look, CZ was rightly pissed off for the for the angling that that uh, Sam was doing, from my perspective, because um, he was fucking the rest of the industry. Um, and what's amazing to me, here's what I, I don't understand, is why a week and a half ago, he and his lobbying team decided to go public with this shit. I, I, I don't fucking get it. I mean, are they so arrogant that they don't think Crypto Twitter can figure out what they're doing by looking and reading their documents. I mean, the statements they put out, his post, the lobbyist team's post from FTX, it was all, all oriented to fucking DeFi and helping FTX. And the fact that they, that's what led them down the path of where we are today was them publishing that shit up. That pissed off CZ, that pissed off the whole ecosystem. People started diving in. Somebody at Alameda or somebody FTX leaked that balance sheet because they were pissed off. And that's why we're all here today, because he was out lobbying in the best interest of himself in FTX and not the ecosystem. Now, that's his job. In fairness, his job, we said this when we talked about his lobbying positions two weeks ago, his job is to protect his shareholders and his business. His job is not, and he's, he's required to do that, right? Well, I don't know the Bahamian laws, but 
Well, for the, the US, US one, definitely. Yeah, for, for the, the US, US one, yeah. definitely. So he's required to do that. He has to represent the interest of the shareholders first and foremost, above all things. So I get it, but why would you publish that shit? I mean, there's zero to gain, zero to gain. I, 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 I can't imagine that you think that it makes sense for you to publish something that's obvious, obvious. The strategy is to benefit centralized FTX and not DeFi in general and the crypto space in general. So that's, that was the, that was the, to me, that's the beginning. That's, mm -hmm. that is the downfall of FTX starts right there that day. And so you're, can uh, I ask a clarification question? So you're talking about when all that news came out about, um, you know, like Sam was selling out DeFi or something like that. Well, that yeah, one? because okay. he published a blog post basically saying, here's my positions on where we need to go with regulation. And Sam did. The, Sam did. And here's the bill yeah. we're supporting. Okay. And then the same day, his lobbying team on their website published basically the same shit. And all of it was, here's what we're doing in Washington, D.C. for crypto. And it's like, really? That's not for crypto. That's for FTX, dude. What? I, I just, I don't understand yeah. being arrogant enough to fucking publish it because that is why FTX is today where it is. That is exactly why pissed off the wrong people pissed off everybody in the industry. Sounds like it pissed off some employees. So they leaked balance sheets. You know, that's, that's where this started right there, right then when they were in their lobbying. So, uh, well, you know, I'm going to say it feeds on my earlier topic about, um, you know, people that are a little bit on the spectrum. Yeah, I think he believed in his heart that he was doing the best thing for DeFi or that he was making inroads that others couldn't do. Um, he felt like, you know, he was on a crusade, obviously. When you're given 50% of your salary to hopefully benefit the world and, you know, you see crypto in trouble, you're coming in trying to make your thing that thing. Um, you, It's a pretty altruistic thing in his heart, I think. I don't think he was trying to, like, necessarily shaft everyone. Um, I think that he just misread it, um, what his what he was getting, let's say, or how everybody would read his efforts um, by doing it alone instead of going in with, like, say, everybody, you know, CZ and Armstrong and all. And who's the Kraken guys? Uh, oh, but he quit. Uh, Jamie, whatever. I can't Whomever, remember. Yeah. yeah. Going as the is it, you know, as a consort as, as an industry consortium, not as a one-off company play i mean that's kind of the mistake um but maybe the others didn't want to and he was trying to save the day for everyone so again i think that backfired him on him tremendously like you said and it led to all of this yep but exactly. you know again where are the advisors writing well, this shit the right way well and how do the i mean i, I don't i just i don't you know how does it get there yeah how does it yeah. get there you yeah. know where Everything you're saying in the press about your interactions with U.S. regulators should be about advancing the decentralization agenda. It yeah. should never come across as complying to centralization or in, in a way that you're going to do it better than the others. I mean, it should be about advancing the crypto ethos at that point in ways that move the ball along, you know, in, right. that allow everybody to get more comfortable well, because and even if you're pub, pub, privately, even if you're doing everything to your advantage and decentralization and not for the crypto ecosystem, you don't publicly state you're doing that. Right. <laughs> That's, a, I mean, just strategically, it's fucking oh. stupid. It's just it's, dumb. It's just so there's dumb. an article on CZ and Iran. Okay, cool. Yeah. So here's the article. And I had heard about this. So now I understand it. So the, 
um, there was chain analysis done that said that uh, Binance allowed uh, about $8 billion in trade with Iran despite sanctions. Ooh. Now, now um, and I believe it. I mean, I, I don't have any reason not to believe it if it was chain analysis doing the analysis. But here's the question I have. Um, I have a friend, somebody who I have a shit ton of respect for. He, he developed one of the first uh, browser wallets for Bitcoin. Um, he built an incredible um, shapeshift-like exchange single-handedly by himself. Uh, built a Telegram-based exchange for multiple cryptocurrencies. He's a brilliant guy. An, an wholesome, honorable, ethical dude. He doesn't live in Iran, but he is Iranian. And we wanted to do business together, but we could not. This is not a guy funding terrorists. This is not a guy doing anything to benefit the country of Iran, but I wasn't permitted. I'm not permitted because he's an Iranian citizen to do business with him. Um, and Eric Voorhees uh, was talking on Twitter the other day. That's the founder of Shapeshift um, about the fact that our sanction system um, is, you know, kind of ridiculous that we take an entire country of people and don't allow economic things to happen um, rather than the people who are responsible for taking on those acts. That said, really fucking stupid on Binance part. Now, the question is, how much data and evidence will there be that Binance knew that they're Iranian? I don't know. And I have no idea in the laws if that matters. I also don't know the international implications for Iran, for Binance doing this with Iran when Binance is not a U.S. company, um, because I know that the way that the U.S. enforces this is through the legal remedies in other countries, but also financially uh, with with punishing in some way indirectly the countries and the companies that continue to do business. I don't know that there's, I don't know that Binance was subject to the sanctions because they're not a U.S. company and they don't have U.S. Uh, well, I would say that's going to probably fall under a global jurisdiction claim at that yeah. point. Yeah, Whether you like it or not. I mean, because it's Iran, it's sanctions, it's going to be layered over the anti-terrorism stuff. Um, you know, and there's, well, there's a lot of Iranian Revolutionary Guard front companies out there doing stuff in crypto in Dubai and Abu Dhabi and Thailand and Singapore. I mean, they're around. And, you know, that's why you got to be super careful with them because, um, and plus this issue there in general is heating up right now, obviously. Um, sure. Because of the, you know, the JCPOA thing, because of Russia-Ukraine war and issues there. So people well, are going to be sending missiles there. And yeah. Drones. And then, yeah. you know, and BB's back in charge in Israel, um, or he will be in four weeks. Um, <clears throat> you know, I would be careful. You know, you should not, you know, I think this is one that makes a bind. If this is true. Of course, if this is true, it makes the whole Binance uh, U.S. relationship a lot more um, difficult. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Sean said, my point here is not anger. Both CZ and Sam are trouble for the space. Don't make CZ a hero. He will blow out the space up. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't know. Here's, here's the thing. I don't make CZ a hero. But what I do make CZ is a smart, strong businessman. One of the best in the world right now, uh, especially in the crypto space. So from my perspective, maybe he will blow it up. I, I have no clue what mistakes he has made or will make uh, in the future. But right now, I think he's doing a pretty friggin' good job of running yeah. a 
really difficult business uh, while also trying to work towards uh, embracing some of the notions of decentralization and transparency. So do I think he's perfect? No. Has he made mistakes? Yeah, obviously. Do I think he's a hero? Hell no. Um, do I think he did what he thought was best for his company and his shareholders in the last week and a half? Absolutely. Uh, Niblet said the pub, are you saying CZ will blow it up on purpose or a side effect of other high risk actions? And Sean's saying it's side effects. So maybe so we'll see what happens. It'll be entertaining if nothing else. Yeah. I mean, this, but this is, a, I mean, how do you, I don't even know how you geo fence this off in crypto. I mean, yeah, cause wallets man. aren't geo tagged. No. So, you know, it's easier to do with banks, obviously, you know, and swift and all of that. Um, and, you know, people that do evade sanctions, they do tend to get those people. So, yeah. Um, but again, eight billion. Um, it's a big number, I guess. Yeah. But, you know, I don't know. It's hard to blame that on CZ unless yeah. he's personally in there doing that. And I doubt that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Zach Wormbrot said the uh, FTX meltdown was has demolished Sam Bankman Freed's image in Washington. Shocker. A Dem aide compared him to the man behind the curtain in The Wizard of Oz, all smoke and mirrors. Um, so and that's I, kind of unfair, but yeah, no, I mean, that's just people reacting. Yeah. It's a good thing. Um, I think that's everything I had on our sole topic for the day, Joe, cause I didn't load anything else. Oh, uh, Arthur Hayes did a tweet thread beyond the blog post that we talked about yesterday, uh, where he really walks through kind of what he thinks will happen, what people should be doing and, um, kind of the end result uh, of where he thinks the market is going. He thinks that uh, Diamond Hands are going to be buying back in, increasing their stacks uh, with Bitcoin at 10 to 15K, ETH 750 to 1K, and Sol at $3. Um, he's going, he says you have to assume everybody had exposure, that contagion is going to go rampantly across this place. But he still believes that uh, when the Fed pivots uh, sometime in 2023, uh, that shit will boom back up again. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, if, 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 then I don't, you know, I might have a misunderstanding of the word pivot because I assume it means pivot to cut, but I've heard other people talking about pivoting and they seem to be saying just not even hiking is a pivot. And, and I don't agree with that. So I don't, I mean, yeah, I can I'm see the sure. Fed I stop think he hiking. Cut. I think he means cut. Yeah, I don't see cuts coming. I'm sorry. I just don't see it, but I don't think we need it. Because if the market's booming and everybody, the equity side, and everybody making tons of money, it all pours into crypto. And we know that. Yeah. So, you know, look, we want the U.S. markets to be screaming, you know, yeah. with cash while we're taking the interest rates up. And the valuations, you know, they're, they're holding pretty well for, yeah. uh, for, for what we've done this entire year. And I think that's really all about DXY, myself, and capital Absolutely. flows into U.S. equities. So I don't think we're going to see... U.S. cuts. I just don't see it unless something really another bad force majeure thing happens, like, you know, the whole European energy stuff with Ukraine, Russia. You know, that has been a huge um, driver of change across the board. So something like that, where would that come from? I don't know. Iran, China, Taiwan. I mean, pick some places or some other big economic thing. Um, but I don't see it happening. I'm just right. saying that would be the type of thing that would have to happen. Yeah, In absolutely. My just my absolutely. opinion. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, on one quick note, family family note, uh, Scooter, and now I'm not going to remember his name on the show here. Uh, one of our listeners, uh, 
Huh? It's oh, you don't want to say his it's name? Ja- it's James. Is yeah, it James? yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I knew. I thought it was James, but I didn't want to say it. So I'm glad yeah. you confirmed. Thank you. Yep. Congratulations to James slash AKA Scooter. Uh, had his first child last Thursday. Man, hope you're able to get some sleep. Congratulations. He said he apologized for not being around, guys. Um, but uh, James, uh, excited for you. Uh, savor every moment because no matter how brain dead tired you are. You're going to turn around and uh, that kid's going to be 16. You're going to be like, what the fuck just happened? So uh, yeah. enjoy it, savor it, have fun with it. And um, that's it. Yeah. Uh, Sean, Niblets, Shizzy, uh, Moon Mission, welcome. Glad you could come today. Um, and I think that's it. Thank you all of you for participating today. You make the show what it is because you are providing information opinions, thoughts, ideas, and feedback uh, that make it possible for us to do it. So we appreciate you contributing. If you've just been listening, um, please don't hesitate to join the conversation via YouTube and or Twitch, I guess, although we don't have anybody on Twitch really, Um, except for the, I think your um, 69 sex site was on there, Joe. Oh, my interns? Yeah. 69 sexy chat? Yeah, I think they're on there. So yeah, they're my new staffing firm. I use that, them for like financial awesome. analysts, man. That's awesome, dude. That's uh, that's good. That's good. They just jump between that and live cams. Well, and then I send them over to your house to clean up in their French maid outfit. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, I'll get out before I get in trouble. But hey, James, man, congratulations to what Brad. Yeah, congratulations. Said. Mine's a senior in high school now, and she, you know, guy, I just remember like laying there on the sofa maybe two weeks in and just trying to get some sleep. Cause I hadn't slept in weeks and, you know, kind of holding her, but you know, not ever really going to sleep. And then now I turn around and look at her and you're like, you know, now yeah, exactly. she's a full size woman. Yeah, exactly. And, and, but I remember her distinctly crawling and climbing and doing all, you're going to have a blast, dude. It's a lot of fun, but the, the time just goes so fast. Uh, you know, I, I, the one thing I'm thankful for with Facebook is I don't have to go through every one of the 400,000 photos and videos I have of my children uh, stored in Google photos and on computers uh, because we picked the best ones for Facebook and that does provide some fun. Nice. I'm not on Facebook anymore. My wife is so. Uh, Jay Niblet says you only have your first child once capture every moment. Yeah. It's so right. much fun. So I don't know if he's even able to listen today cause he's probably, you know, zombied out holding one arm up. You get that one arm strength. You get <laughs> the baby. It's like you, 12 ounce you learn. You learn how to type with one hand really well. and uh, But uh, congratulations, man. We're happy for you and proud of you. And uh, all the best to you and mom. And uh, get some sleep when you can. Um, if you're listening and watching, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please rate and review us. It really helps us boost uh, our reach and boost us in the algorithms and let's helps people know more about what we're doing here. If you're watching on YouTube, please click the subscribe button, click the little bell. So you get notified and smash the thumbs up button. So we get boosted there as well. It helps us grow as well. Um, I don't know what else, Joe, uh, just a reminder at everybody, uh, Thanksgiving week, we will not be uh, doing the show. Um, but we will have the folks from Shardium coming on soon, either next week or the week after Thanksgiving, I think Joe. Mm-hmm. And, um, that's it. Thank you very much. Appreciate you guys. Love all of you. Yeah. One final thing before you cut. Um, we didn't really talk about Monad today. So if anybody's did some, you know, research on it, it was Monad, right? Yeah. And I posted okay. it. Oh, by the way, I posted it in the Reddit. So our oh, good, good. Yeah. All right, cool. So we can talk about that tomorrow. Perfect. Have a all great right, day, have everybody. A great day, Thank everyone. you. Bye-bye. Thanks, Stay Brad. safe.